0: Our first reading, which will serve as our text for today, comes from Jeremiah chapter 20, verses seven through 13. O Lord, you deceived me and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say, I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Report him. Let's report him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will all prevail over him and take our revenge on him. The Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and the mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. The second reading for today comes from Romans chapter 6, verses 12 through 23. Therefore, do not let, your, let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and ever increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew, the 10th chapter, Glory to you, O Lord. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. All men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A student is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the student to be like the teacher, and the servant like his master. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of the household. So do not be afraid of them. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy the soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges, acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace, mercy, and
1: peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My sport growing up was soccer. I was able to play soccer from kindergarten through college. And one of the things I learned about soccer, the strategy of the game, is the importance of a good defense. Now, when I went to college, we had a really good college coach. Our team wasn't that great, but the strategy that he used was to take our fastest player, the one who had maybe the best ball control, definitely had the biggest leg, who could kick the ball the farthest. He put him in the very back, just in front of the goalie. In our college system, he was called the sweeper. And we knew that no matter what happened with the other team, if they broke through, that our sweeper in the back, our best player, was gonna be able to defend. And because of that, even though we weren't as good as some other teams, we, we won quite a few games. You see, if, if the enemy can't score against you, it's, it's hard for them to win. Well, today we're talking about the fact that our God is a defending God. Our God is our defender. And in, in this sermon series of I Am, We're gonna take a look at some places in scripture where God is described as a defending God. Now, as I thought about God being our defender, one of the first places I went to was the Psalms of David. In Psalm 18, David talks about a fortress that that God is, a place of defense. It's where a mighty fortress is our God, where Martin Luther got the words for that, that great hymn. You see, David would run away to a stronghold in the mountains, most likely a place called Masada, when he was under attack, especially when Saul was after him. And David would go there to find a fortress, to find a defense from the earthly struggles that he was going through. Well, in 1 Samuel, the prophet Gad went to David to challenge him for his running away from his problems and and seeking an earthly defense. And he told David that it was required that he would go back to Judah, go back to Jerusalem because it wasn't wasn't a, a fortress in the mountains that was going to be his defense, but that the Lord, Yahweh, would be David's defense. And so David wrote in Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. David learned an important lesson. Our lesson for today is that only God is our true defense from our greatest attacker, the enemy, Satan. The words to Martin Luther's hymn put it like this. The old evil foe now means deadly woe. Deep guile and great might are his dread arms and fight. On earth is not his equal. With might of ours could not be done, soon were our loss affected, but for us fights the valiant one, whom God himself elected. Our text for today is from Jeremiah. And in this we see that Jeremiah needed a strong defense. Jeremiah was in the midst of a really tough situation. He was sent to proclaim the message of God to a people that didn't want to listen. They wanted to turn to their own ways and own vices. They were a sinful group of people. In his his frustration, Jeremiah cries out to God and saying that he's being ridiculed and mocked every day. But he says that even in the midst of his situation, the message that God has given to him is one that can't be kept inside. It's like a fire that can't be quenched. And so Jeremiah says that he has to get this message out, a message that that God is for the people, that God will deliver them and that God will defend them. Jeremiah continued to preach even in the midst of trials because he knew that God was his defender. Last, Last week, we heard of God being our deliverer. He's delivered us from sin, death, and the devil, and today we focus on the continued defense that God gives to us over those enemies, the ongoing action. You see, Jeremiah pointed not only to a deliverer that would come, but to a God that would continue to defend his people. It's a storyline that we see repeated throughout Scripture, that God defends his people, and it begins with his very first people, Adam and Eve. Even though they rebelled, and fell into sin, were cast from God's presence in the garden, God still defends them as he makes for them clothing out of animal skins to defend them from the elements. God defends his people, Noah and his family, from the flood. God defends Joseph from his brothers and from sure starvation. God defends his people through Esther from annihilation. God defends David, from his enemies. God defends Daniel from the lions. And God continues to work for his people to defend them today. That can be hard to believe, though. When we're faced with all kinds of trials around us, when it seems like everything is falling apart, you have to admire Jeremiah, who is in the worst of situations. Other prophets were being killed. And he says that he couldn't contain the message even, it meant, even if it meant that he would be killed. My prayer is that God would fill me and our congregation and you with that same kind of spirit. That the message that we have of our God who is for us, who defends us, that we can't contain it no matter what's going on around us. Paul Paul had that that same message because he was preaching to many people who were undergoing all kinds of persecution. In in the Philippian church, in in chapter 4, Paul tells them, even in the midst of their trials, to rejoice in the Lord always. He repeats himself, and again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, and don't be anxious about anything. Even in the midst of trials don't be anxious but in everything with prayer and sub- supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And this is what I really want you to hear. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard will guard your hearts and minds. You see the peace of knowing that our God is for us that he loves us that he has grace for us, amazing grace, that he has delivered us, and that he continues to guard us with his peace. He will defend us. I want to circle back to our text for today, because peace was something that you would think would be far from the reading that we had from Jeremiah. Jeremiah is an interesting character. He was dealing with the people of God just before they were going to be sent into exile in Babylon. And so the message is is not being listened to and, and the people of Judah experience the consequences of their rebellion as they are taken into captivity. But in the midst of this horrible situation, in the middle of Jeremiah, it's called the book of comfort because it points to the fact that even though God's people desert him, he never leaves them. That God is there to bring peace and defense Even in the midst of their exile. And we see it as Jeremiah proclaims, even in the midst of what he's going through, he proclaims, God, I'm going to sing your praises because I know you're for me. Now, where do we flee for our defense today? I mean, we saw David who would go into the mountains. Wouldn't it be nice to have something tangible like a a fortress? A fortress of solitude you could go to, or or maybe it's just a heavy blanket that you curl up in the couch underneath. Where do we go for our defense? Where do we go when we're under attack? Sometimes it can feel like we're under attack on all sides, by all kinds of things coming at us, like we're under siege. Sometimes we're under attack for righteous reasons, like Jeremiah. But at other times it's different. Satan will attack us with our own faults and and with our brokenness in order to tear us down. We can attack ourselves, beat ourselves up. But I think in our sinfulness, sometimes Satan can play a trick on us like he did with David. You see, we can start to think that we're above reproach and we can do whatever we want. So even the truth, when spoken to us, can feel like we're under attack. We can claim that we shouldn't be judged, don't judge anyone, or be held accountable for our actions. For many, the church is that place of truth that exposes them, so they want to run away. I think we all run away inside sometimes. Maybe our defense is is dealing with the hard truths of life through all kinds of distractions, through social media, through alcohol or drugs and prescriptions, through sexual temptations or or overindulging in entertainment. But God's word comes to us today and says, go away from those those defenses that, that are apart from the Lord and run back to his truth. Run back to the truth that God is for you, even in the midst of your brokenness, that he has defeated our great accuser. And he has defeated the effects of his his works, of death. He has overcome our sin, and God defends us on every side. The psalmist in Psalm 46 put it this way. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains tremble at its swelling what Jeremiah realized is is the message that he was proclaiming to others was also a message for himself, that God was for him. And that truth is to believe no matter what people around you think, whether he didn't take a poll to see if this was going to be a message received or not by over half the people. Actually, I think 99.9 of them rejected it. He didn't wait to see how many likes he was going to get, how many follows or how many swipes. Jeremiah had confidence to know that God was for him. God was on his side. And God continues to defend his people today. So what does that mean for us, for followers of Jesus Christ? Well, we see what it meant for Adam and Eve, our first parents. Even though they sinned, God was still there for them. You see, removed from the garden, God was working working in the immediate but also working towards his plan of salvation through the one who was to come. It's easy for us to say, well, you know, I, I, I've, I've been away from God. I, I've rejected him. How can he ever love me? My sin is too great. And, and we would be right to say that that's what we deserve. But that's the amazing thing about our God, our defender, is that we don't get what we deserve. When we've been delivered from sin, we don't have to be enslaved by its desires anymore or by its effects. You see, God comes to us through Jesus Christ. And he comes to us today to remind us of that goodness, of that amazing grace as we gather to hear his word, whether it's virtually or or in person. And as we receive his gifts of, of baptism and holy communion where we are reminded that God is there for us, for you And for me, it's what kind of puts meat on the bones of our faith, that no matter what we've done, our God still loves us. He has not left us alone. On that final day, called Judgment Day, we'll all stand before a righteous judge. It's our Heavenly Father. And we'll be required to give account for all that we've done. Everything will be exposed. Nothing will be hidden. And it's then that we will need our defense. The one who will stand, the one who did stand for us on the cross to take our punishment for our crimes that we have committed against God. It's this defender that is the most important position in your life. There's no way on our own that we could stand against the accusations of Satan. In his last ditch attempt to take us all down with him, he will accuse us with everything we've ever done. But Jesus Christ stands as our defender, as our advocate, as the one who speaks for us. John says in 1 John chapter two, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Jeremiah put it like this in chapter 50. He said, there is a redeemer that is strong, The Lord of hosts is his name, and he shall thoroughly plead their cause. But for us fights the valiant one, whom God himself elected. Ask ye, who is this? Jesus Christ it is. Of Sabaoth, Lord, and there is none other God. He holds the field forever. Amen. Amen.